Welcome to Read My Lips Radio, a lively hour of unscripted conversations with savvy creatives. Producer and host, a.k.a. Radio Red, asks novelists, artists, photographers, designers, comedians, actors, musicians, composers, screenwriters, directors, and technology innovators about their creative passion, inspirational muses, and how they create. Ooh, how those lips can talk. Now, here's AKA Radio Red. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Read my lips, cool conversations with creatives. I'm AKA Radio Red here with two very happy people. Cindy, smile for us. There you go. Beautiful Cindy, Jell Armini, and beautiful Trish. Trish, pronounce your middle name for me, dear. Agel, Trish Agel Roberts. Agel Roberts. Nice to have you both here. I'm Radio Red, and I'm talking to two very creative ladies in so many ways. I've met them both at one of the virtual national publicity summits. You know, that's where I get 99.98% of my guests. Mm. I don't know where I find the others. They just kind of come to me. That's mm. all. And we're going to talk about different kinds of creativity today. But first, I want Cindy and Trish join me in saying hello to LLL. Can you both do that for me on the count of three? One, two, three. Hello. L-L-L-L. Now, LLL is lovely, lanky Laura Legs, our most loyal listener. And she listens every Monday and she will comment by email to me after the show. And she'll say, Red, I loved what Cindy said. And I love what Trish said. And she's going to give me back what you said. It's like a little book report. She's been a loyal listener for many years. I met her in, in New York. I'm a New Yorker. And I met her at uh, a dance lesson, actually, and then social dancing. And we became friends many years ago. So, LLL. LL, hope you had a lovely Easter. She sent me a Passover wish as well. We are live streaming on Facebook. So happy to be here. Hello to everybody on Facebook. We're on my Read My Lips radio page. And we're calling this conversation today, it's time to color your world and get, I'm going to say it, mind-blowing happy. And Trish is going to explain that in just a minute. But let me tell you a little tiny bit about my guests, and then we'll go through all kinds of things. Oh, by the way, in case everybody's wondering, let's see what this is. Today is the, um, where do I have it here? It's the April 5th. We're live. It's the 95th day of the Gregorian calendar. So shout out to Greg, Gregory, or Greggy, whoever you are. I know your mother was very nice to you because you created this fabulous calendar. There are 270 days left in 2021. So Trish and Cindy, if you're planning on something, something huge for New Year's Eve just before 2022, because we know 2021 is already going to be a heck of a better year than last year was. If you want to get something special to drink, you should order it now because it's going to be a run on the liquor stores. If you want to create a still in your backyard or a, or a the garage sink and brew some Kahlua or something. Start now so it tastes good. This is the 14th Monday of the year, and the Zodiac sign is Aries. Cindy or Trish, your birthdays aren't this week, are they? Are you, Mine oh! was just on March 31st. Okay, well, then you Happy are in birthday. Aries, correct? Yes. Okay, let's talk about this. I never do this on the show, but this is an honor of you, Cindy. Your personality is defined by your quick creative mind and your ambition. In all matters of life, your creativity makes you charming and likable. I know that you are. While this has earned you many friends, it is your ambition that has earned you many admirers. Cindy, was that right? Very much so. I'm yes. glad. I'm glad I have the right resource for the right. <laughs> <laughs> Very goal-oriented, for sure. Yeah. Okay, there you go. There you go. Uh, Trish, when is your birthday? September 10th. I'm a Virgo. 
Okay, and I'm a Libra, so you and I are a month apart on that scale. Well, we'll have to get back to each other on that later on. So let me tell you what these two ladies are here for. Cindy is going to talk about updating your home for spring or summer, decorating on a dime. She's a painting expert, a paint expert, an interior designer, in-house for Benjamin Moore. She's in New Jersey. We will forgive her for that. I'm only teasing. I'm a New Yorker, and you know how we feel about that. Uh, She is a paint and design blogger. She's a YouTube video blogger. I have one chapter from her book. Very fascinating. The upcoming book is called The Paint Diva, and that's what her nickname is, Cindy the Paint Diva. And she's going to take us through how to pick colors for your entire house. And Cindy, you sent me the upcoming chapter on paint for your bathroom. And the chapter is fascinating. You've got such fabulous pictures of real bathrooms, little ones, big ones, old fat. I love the tile from the 50s and 60s. Reminds me of my mother's and father's (laughs) bathroom I grew up with, with the pink tile with the black edging. Do do you remember that? Trish, do you remember the bathrooms? A little bit. A little bit. (laughs) Well, they're still around. That's why they had to be a chapter in the book. (laughs) <laughs> there you go. There you go. And people are putting in the white subway tile these days, too, to get that old-fashioned look. So mm-hmm. Cindy's going to talk to us about that. Cindy's also going to talk to us a little bit about her book dedicated to her late son, Robbie, in which she illustrated the book. It's absolutely gorgeous. And she she told a story of Robbie through the pictures of a penguin active and stimming and spinning and his his journey. It was a very interesting journey. And the thing that struck me the most, Cindy, thank you for sending. I know you were just on the Today Show talking about it because this is National Autism Awareness Month. Correct. And and so that was what the book was that was the the reason for your being on the Today Show. But I will compliment you on your absolutely gorgeous, gorgeous illustrations. But more than that, the love, the great love. For Robbie. And I told you, if I talk about this on the radio, we can't do the show today because I'm just going to cry. So the one thing I want to ask you about, Cindy, is that you said, she said, I love you just the way you are. And you kissed him seven times. Is there a, a reason for the seven? Um, no, it's just the, ryth- the rhythm of it, you know. Okay, I like that. <laughs> That's it. Seven's That's my it. lucky number. I would always no- kiss him on the cheek, and when I was done, he'd wipe it off, and it was just the whole game. And I said, "Don't wipe it off," and he'd laugh, and he, you know. <laughs> very cool. Well, seven's my lucky number, and so I was very intrigued by that. So we'll talk a little bit about that. But if you happen to have one of those books with you, we can show. Yes. We can show it on the screen, your beautiful characters. And Trish Roberts is a self-actualization coach, yoga and meditation instructor. We might do some yoga today, Trish. I think I need that to relax. She's a happiness expert. I'm happy to meet you for that. And she's the founder of Honey Butterflies with a Z, LLC, and Black Vegan Life, trademark. She's the author of something we're going to talk about today, Mind-Blowing Happiness Guide to Self-Care and 12 Steps to Mind-Blowing Happiness, a journal, and I have her journal here, a journal of insights, quotes, and questions to juice up your journey. So today I've got two beautifully dedicated creatives. Trish, just give us a quick overview on what what your juicing up the journey is all about. Yeah, so uh, mind-blowing happiness is really a term that I coined for self-actualization, you know, so really getting to your highest levels of joy and fulfillment in your life. I think that um, a lot of us have gotten away from this idea of really being happy. You know, we're busy going to work and coming home um, and not necessarily thinking about really working towards our passion and our purpose. Thank you very much. And Trish, I have to ask you, mind-blowing happiness, is that beyond very happy? Is that beyond outstandingly happy? Is that beyond 
uh, intrinsically happy. Uh, I'm trying to think of words. It Cindy, is. Yeah. Cindy, Cindy, can you think of any other words? Help me out here, Cindy. Happy, happy. The, the extent of happiness, it would be what? Extremely happy. Ex- extravagantly happy. Ah, extravagantly happy. Yeah. Fabulously happy. So it's when is all it, of those things. When does it get to be that happy? I, I read that we're going to go through your workbook, Trisha. It was very mm-hmm. instructive to me. But when does it get to be my God, I just blew my mind. I'm so happy. When do we get to that point? I think, well, you know, it's funny. It goes through 12 steps, right? So it starts off where it's kind of the basics like healing and spirituality, having connection and community, kind of laying the groundwork, releasing anger, you know, those types of things. But the end is really working in your passion and feeling like you're walking in your purpose, that you own your power you know, you're really connected to your spiritual life. So it's really when everything comes together. And it doesn't mean that we don't all have, um, you know, bad experiences. This is life. We all have things we have to go through, but that you just have this model around you of, um, of support and self-awareness. So yeah, it's, um, it's mind-blowing. It's mind-blowing. <laughs> I just want to tell both of you, because we were a little rushed getting started, that when you're speaking, Cindy, and when you're speaking, Trish, I'm going to put you on full speaker view for the purpose of what people are seeing on the Read My Lips page on Facebook and for the purpose of what's being recorded on the Zoom recording. So just so you know, if you're doing something you don't want to be seen, duck out of the frame. Because <laughs> okay. you're, you're going to be shown on camera one way or another all the time. So, Cindy, let's go back to you and let's talk a little bit about your background in color you hear about. You're here as the paint diva. So what makes you a paint diva, Cindy? Love to (laughs) hear that. I started out um, in the 90s. I painted murals. This is a mural behind me and doing faux finishes. They were big, you know, in the 90s. And then they went out of style and I went to work in a Benjamin Moore store as their interior designer. And there was, uh, there was a woman that worked at a paint store in a nearby town that she was so nasty to everybody. They called her the paint Nazi. Mm. <laughs> and no paint for you. Mm. And um, she would literally say to the people, you don't know what you want, leave. Don't come back until you know what you want. You know, and I would hear all these stories. Um, and then one day uh, after I was working there about six months, a woman walked in and she says, oh, so you're the paint diva. And I said, oh, are you confusing me with somebody else? She's like, no, she's nasty. You're the nice one. I said, okay, as long as we have that clear. So, uh, and then I said, you know, actually the paint diva, that's kind of cute. I think I'm going to keep that. I think I'm going to use that. So I've used it. And um, I left the store four years ago. I've been on my own working as a color consultant and doing staging and real estate and all that. And I have this long Italian last name that people can't pronounce. They can't remember it, but they remember <laughs> the paint diva. So it became good, good marketing. Very interesting. Yes, it is. It's it's nice to be catchy. By the way, Radio Red is not my real name, obviously. Right. But, but I remember I, it. You remember. There you go. And I put the AKA in because when I was on a different, I was started, I started out when I was, was on WGBB AM 1240 in New York, the oldest AM station. I was a drive time host on Fridays for many years. And then when I went on the internet, I used Blog Talk Radio. Now I'm on Voice America. Where I'm very happy to be and say hello to Josh, my engineer. Everybody say hello, Josh. Hey, Josh. Josh. (laughs) Josh, you got your greeting from the beautiful ladies, okay, and me. And uh, so I looked at at how to get your name noticed, and I noticed that anybody who had the obvious letter A, I'm a a programmer analyst from back in the key punch days. I was programming in COBOL in the late 1900s. I won't tell you what year it was. (laughs) 
I'm considered an early woman in tech, actually. I was, I was a program analyst, the real deal on big mainframes. And uh, I noticed when I was looking for my name, I liked red, obviously. You can tell that. It is a new color red this week, though, I have to say that. And then I, uh, I noticed that Radio Red, that wasn't taken. I like that. And then I noticed people who were putting an A, obviously, sorted higher in the alphanumeric sequence. And then AKA, and people were separate AKA, you know, Bob the Bob the uh, the motor entrepreneur or something like Bob the motor guy and I realized if I just attached AKA to Radio Red it would always sort high with the letter A and K's not too far down so I just it stuck for me nobody else just stuck for me so people write AKA space all in caps and radio I said no it's all just just honor me all all in caps that's just fine so so here we go so um, what I want to talk to you about Cindy is and I got sidetracked here. But Cindy, how did you get into the field of being so smart about color? Because I looked at the chapter you sent me. The book is coming out. I know it's not out yet. Mm-hmm. It's beautifully done. You've got pictures of real bathrooms, big ones, mm-hmm. small ones, fancy mm-hmm. ones, old-fashioned ones, modern ones, redecorated ones, ones that should be redecorated. <laughs> what, what, what attracted you to the idea or to the field of color expertise? Cindy, just talk to us for a couple minutes. Well, as I said, I went to work in this paint store. I had done murals in his kids, all of his kids' rooms, and I really didn't know what I was going to do. I, I um, The faux finishes were going out of style, and then I almost fell off a, a ladder when I was 20 feet in the air. I said, that's it. I'm, I'm done. So I just happened to be in the right place at the right time. I walked into the store, and he said, please come help me work, work here in the store and help people choose their paint colors all day. And I said, really? I, I don't have to lug paint cans or ladders anymore? All I have to do is choose colors? Sure. Um, and it was, nobody had done this before. It was sort of a new thing, having a color consultant work in the paint store. And mm-hmm. I just turned out to be pretty darn good at it because I had spent all these years painting. So I knew like Got people it. would hire me, like a woman had a tumbled marble backsplash and she didn't like the way her outlets looked. So she hired me to literally paint the plastic outlet covers to blend in with the tile. Okay. So I not only did I have to match the color, I had to match the texture. I had to do the shadowing and all that kind of stuff. So I, it's easy for me to look at colors and say, this one's a little pink. That one's a little green. That one's a little yellow. So then people would bring their things into the store and they would want me to try to find the right color. And I would immediately say, that one's too pink. That one's too green. That's too yellow. This is the one. And they're like, oh my God, how could, how'd you do that so fast? I'm like, it's not that, it's not hard for me. Um, So, and then I just started working with literally tens of thousands of people working in the store. I started going to people's homes, helping them choose colors. I've been in thousands of homes all throughout New Jersey, um, all different types of homes, you know, multi-million dollar homes that are completely renovated and then older homes that are still from the 1950s. Nothing's been Mm -hmm. touched, you know, and everything in between. I call where I live, I call it the land of the split level, you know, that all... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> They're all split levels and by levels. A lot of center hall colonials. I, uh, um, you know, and um, and you just keep working with people and over, over and over again. So what happened was over time I started developing this this system where that just kind of worked, and I and I kind of used this same system in everybody's house. Um, and to to put it in in short terms, I don't want to see a red room, blue room, yellow room, green room because it's too many colors going on. You want all the rooms to flow and they all have kind of the same undertones. And so the room that you kind of spend the most time in, I usually want that to be neutral. I don't want it to be too much, too much color because you get sick of it really quickly. You know, um, so that usually ends up being, you know, and then a dining room, 
it's you have wood table, wood chairs, wood floors, everything's wood, 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 brown, 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 brown. The last color I'm going to put in a dining room is going to be brown. I don't do beige in dining rooms. You know, that's okay. a room to play with color. You know, so it's these, it's all those little things, you know, and I just kind of use that same system in every room and it just, it just I mean, in every house and it just works. And I'll I can come. do every color for the whole house in an hour. Boom. And I'm done. Don't come to my house. I have candy, <laughs> candy apple red in the living room and on the archway coming in and on the wall behind the baby grand piano. piano. But you love I, red. I Obviously, I have a light dusky pink rose on the walls of my office here because the chairs I inherited from my mom are beautiful reupholstered velvet rockers. She stripped down the wood. They were painted black originally. Remember those days, mm-hmm. the lacquered? Oh, and yeah. they're stripped down to natural wood, and she put in beautiful pink kind of a dusky rose, and my daughter's name is Rose. So it seemed natural and a, a white wall-facing facing the front. I'm on the front looking at the garden. Then one bathroom is two shades of lavender because I love it. And it had a neutral, I put in a white, very sparkly quartz counter. I redid the countertops with white quartz with the sparkles, like the Mm -hmm. the nighttime. Uh, I have a red quartz backsplash in the kitchen all the way around (laughs) behind the stove. I I had my whole kitchen in red, but I was in great neck and it was wild. But people told me if I come here and do a red kitchen, I'll never resell the house. So I I settled for the red backsplash and that's just the way it is. And then my bedroom has a dark gray wall behind the bed and the rest Mm -hmm. of the walls are white. So I have one feature wall, Mm -hmm. very little artwork in there. And then uh, my music room where I have my drum kit, where I I play my music, is a very pale turquoise to go with a rug I brought from my mother's apartment, which is Mm a little bit of a, not a Persian, but a Persian style rug with turquoise and teal, very pretty. And then my master bath, I had no idea what to do with it because I don't like beige or brown, just not my thing. Mm -hmm. And it had beige floor and it had one color quartz on the countertops. It had a, has a shower with a huge, huge shower, enough for about eight people in there. I don't <laughs> invite eight people in, but it's capacious, shall we say. And so I put in a kind of a yellow, not a mustard yellow, but almost a golden yellow on the walls around the mirror, around the sink as a contrast to just brighten the whole thing up because it was just too beige. Did I commit any major crimes here, Cindy? Tell me now. I'll still like you, I promise. <laughs> well, I probably, well, turquoise tends to be a restful color. So that's, I, I would have probably put the red in the music room because that's where you want to. Okay. Because you know, that inspires you, get your juices flowing. You know, it's, it's more, it's more of a lively color. Uh, the turquoise, I may, I may have, may have flipped those colors, but. Other than that, I was going to say with the pinks and the purples and stuff, I, don't put the house on the market with that. You might have to get rid of some of the purples, but okay. it down. Well, but, could, but I always say, if you're living in the house, do whatever you want. But if you're going to sell the house, it's a whole other conversation. I, I agree. And I don't think the red walls will sell. I, I think I'm yeah. going to have to have the whole living room painted wet. But while I'm here... Hey, I just, listen, I, I came, Cindy and Trish, I was in an 850 square foot apartment in Great Neck, Long Island, mm-hmm. in a very expensive area for 32 years. And it was wow. all white with some gray, gray trim on some feature walls and white floor, limestone, yeah. big, big squares on the floor. I got rid of all the wood and mirrors and glass. And my daughter did some paintings when she was younger in acrylic reds and black. So that was my theme, red, white, black all over. And, and, uh, Chrome and glass, and that was it. And when I moved here to a house that's almost 2,300 square feet, I almost tripled my living space. And I moved into a house that's on a pond with a fountain. It's gorgeous. However, it had brown floors. It had dark cabinets in the kitchen. That's not what I wanted, but I wanted the house. Mm-hmm. So a little at a time, I had the whole kitchen painted white. I put in the white sparkly counters. I painted all the rooms, and now it's mine. 
So that was my, I had to deal with the, with the florist, but it was mine. So we're getting people commenting here. I'm getting some smiles from some upcoming guests who are watching us on Facebook. Hello, George <laughs> Viney. Thank you very much for, for commenting there. Anyway, so uh, let's, let's move around the table a little bit. I want to hear a little more from Trish. Trish, you came up with the idea for a workbook, and your workbook is 170 pages, but you have three pages of lines for people to write in. So what are a couple of your favorite? I know you have the eight rules of life, the eight guides for life. You want to take it's us through those? The, the eight life areas. You want to just give us that list of eight life areas and tell us what's your favorite? What do you think is most important for people to know, if you can pick one? Oh, um, so it's um, fun and recreation, your relationships money, uh, mental health, physical health, um, spirituality. I'm trying to think, am I missing any? But what is my favorite of the eight main life areas? I don't know that I have a favorite. It's really uh, something that I use predominantly in my coaching, you know, to teach people how to examine their own lives. Because a lot of times we might be focused on the relationship and the money and still wonder why we're anxious. You know, why are we stressed? And we don't realize that we're not having any fun or we have no spiritual life. And I always make the distinction that spirituality and religion is very different. Mm -hmm. It's really about having a sense of yourself um, outside of your physical body, because we are all spiritual, whether, whether we're atheist or anything else. Um, So yeah, it's, it's really a tool, you know, to be able to kind of see where you are. So it's something that I use with my clients a lot. But Very, I don't know my, I, I'm still thinking about favorite. I don't know if I could choose a favorite. Do you think that generosity might be one of your favorites or compassion? I'm talking about the, the qualities uh, that you're trying to get us to, to look at in terms of uh, the assessment quiz, the mind-blowing happiness okay. assessment quiz. So let's focus on the healing, spirituality, yeah. connection, community, authenticity, yes. self-love, releasing anger. I like that one. I like that one. Generosity, <laughs> detachment, surrender, patience, compassion, working with passion and freedom. So what's your favorite yes. out of that so, one? So those are the 12 steps to mind-blowing happiness. Those are my babies. Yep. And I would say the one that I get the most questions about all the time, and I'm working on an upcoming book about it, which is going to be called Anger is a Lie. So it is really about releasing anger. And not just, you know, a lot of times we think anger is yelling and screaming and, you know, arguing with people, but anger simmers anytime Mm -hmm. that we don't get what we want. And it could be as simple as the weather. It could be the waiter brought you you know, a fork with a fingerprint on, it could be anything, (laughs) you know? So I I like to say, I call them the cousins, the cousins of anger are things like frustration, disappointment, resentment, impatience that kind of can create just a miserable life when it's simmering in the background. So that's definitely, um, I think the biggest barrier to mind blowing happiness is getting control of anger and all its little friends, you know? So what do you do with it, Trish? How do you get rid of that anger? How do you dissipate it? How do you dissolve it? How do you release it? How do you minimize it? How do you push it away? What do you do with it? Do you have any tips for us? I do. And um, I, I get into it in more detail in the mm-hmm. new book. But it's basically what I teach is a, f- a four-step process. I call it tame and reframe. So the first step is to acknowledge the anger. So we don't want to repress it or pretend this isn't happening to us. But I do recommend that you acknowledge it as separate from yourself. You know, there are people walking around who think, oh, my God, I'm just an angry person. I'm just angry. 
No, you're not. You're not just an angry person. We all kind of have that influence sometimes. But the first thing is to acknowledge it, to kind of see that it's there. And then the second thing is to take some breaths, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, um, breathing, of course, allows oxygen to get to your brain. So maybe you can make a better decision than the one you were going to make at the initial influence of anger. But learning, you know, to, to stop and take a breath and get some separation between yourself and that feeling. And then the next thing is we really have to learn. It's funny because we talk about creativity. You mm-hmm. have to learn to use your imagination mm-hmm. in order to ignite your empathy. I think we have a real lack of empathy. Most of us don't think about how other people feel, especially if they're not others who maybe look like us or from our, or from our neighborhood or even from our country. Um, so once you've got some feeling of empathy that you've worked on, then you move to action, constructive action, not unconstructive action. Okay. <laughs> you know, so turning it into something good, but it becomes, it sounds hard at first, but with practice, it becomes something where it can all happen in a few seconds. Yeah. Interesting. Very interesting. Cindy, does any of this resonate with you? This this concept of releasing anger? I don't want to get into anything Ugh. uncomfortable, but I know you probably deal with a lot of interesting people in your world, Cindy. So what would you, you want to add anything back I do. to truth? Yeah, well, you know, when I was a lot younger, I used to um, be angry a lot. <laughs> um, but as I've gotten older, I've learned how to, you know, just let it go. You know, and I think I think raising a child with special needs really changed me. Um, and mm-hmm. I, you know, you just you realize that people just if they act the way they act, there's usually a reason for it. You know, um, and and you you know, I've I've learned how to just be a lot, just a lot more merciful and forgiving, and just let it go. It is what it is, and it's not worth getting angry about. Yeah, and that's the empathy and and the reframing yeah. right there. Yeah, yep. that's mm-hmm. that's also walk a mile in their shoes, right? Mm -hmm. And that's also um, mindfulness. I know that's one of the mindfulness practices. If somebody's beeping at you in traffic, there's probably a reason. Maybe they, I don't know, maybe their platter's full. Maybe they're on the way to a doctor appointment. Maybe they're about to get engaged or divorced and they need to get somewhere and the traffic is worse for them than it is for you. But think about what could be on their mind, diffuse, try to empathize with that and not take it as an affront to yourself why they're beeping or honking. All right, they're a bad, rude driver. But aside from that, why? So is, is that what you would say, Trish? Is Yeah. And, you know, it's funny. Separate raising my, it. Raising my daughter, I used to tell her, most of the time, nobody is thinking about you. You know, like a lot of times we're embarrassed because we walk into a room and, you know, whatever, we're concerned about what we're wearing. But most of the time, everybody's thinking about themselves. Yeah. You know, so the guy honking at you isn't even thinking about you. You might just be in between them getting to what they're trying to get to, but they're thinking about whatever they're going through. So yeah, that was, you did a good job. (laughs) Okay, good. Cindy, I want you to show us some pictures. If you would please honor us pictures from your Robbie book. Okay. Well, there's three books. Yes. Um, In in the first book, he's about two years old. The second one, he's about five. And then the other one, he's about eight. So it's called Robbie's World and His Spectrum of Adventures. Robbie is a little penguin with autism. So that's what the spectrum has to do with. Um, And you illustrated all three books. I did. So there's 340 illustrations. 
um, and this is so. This is just an example. He's twirling bows. This some um, autistic kids do things that are called stimming when they it it's it helps calm them down, regulate them when they're happy, when they're upset, and they might do something like you know like this. And my son used to pick up shoes and he used to twirl them all the time, and you know mm. it would just get him excited and happy. But penguins don't wear shoes in the book, so <laughs> so he couldn't twirl the shoes. So I made him twirl his sister's hair bows. I want you um, to hold up a double spread and just hold it up in front of us just really steady so we can see it okay so what are we looking at here so this is um here they're they're sitting down to eat and he doesn't want to sit at the table so he's having a little you know fit on the floor and mom's trying to get him to eat but he doesn't want to eat at the table and instead this is what my son you know he he used to watch the same, it used to be Disney videos. I had to come up with something besides Disney. So I had him mm-hmm. watch these dolphin videos over and over again. And he, and he would, he would, he's twirling his bows and eating from the TV. And that's what he wanted to do. And it just says, um, mama learned to pick her battles. Some weren't worth the fight. Sometimes she had to just give in to have a peaceful night. Mm. It's just little things like that, that just kind of, and, and then at the, it's kind of little lessons for the parents that are reading yes. just in a very subtle way. And then at the end, and this this chapter is all about him not sleeping. He doesn't want to go to bed. It's about midnight here when he's going to bed after long after the other kids. He has a weighted blanket on to calm his nerves. Um, Can you read one more page to us? Because I love your your writing. My husband um, used to, bless his heart, he would stay up and he would sleep on the couch. And sometimes he'd sleep on the floor because Robbie used to run away. So sometimes... um, we were always afraid he was going to get out in the middle of the night and run away when, while we were sleeping. So this is a picture of my husband sleeping on the floor. Um, and it says, sometimes he got up at 3 a.m. wide awake. Papa'd make sure Robbie didn't have a tummy ache. The only thing that calmed him down was watching TV shows. So Papa stayed right by him on the couch where he could doze. Oh. And then here but but on this night he went he went to sleep and mama says tonight though mama checked on him and he was fast asleep so quietly she kissed him seven times upon his cheek mm-hmm. she looked out of the wind she looked out of the window at the moon and at the stars then she said good night my love i love you just the way you are and Beautiful. every chapter ends with her saying that i love you just the way you are and then i follow every chapter with what i call a mom's minute yeah. and i explain to the adults what just happened in that chapter and show the real pictures of my son. So there's little lessons in there for, for the parents also, but it's a cute, funny story every time. So you, so it's very subtle, you know, you're, you're learning Mm -hmm. things in a subtle way. Very well done. What was it like being on the today show? Were you surprised when they called you? Um, yes. (laughs) Um, and then, and they did a whole feature on me as well. And I had no idea it was an hour interview, uh, just like this on zoom. And then I had no idea what they were going to piece together at the end. So, and then they worked on it for two weeks and I sent them videos and photos and they put together this beautiful, beautiful piece on, on my son. Uh, and it was on Friday for world autism awareness day, uh, that they did the show. And I didn't actually meet Hoda um, I talked to a producer, so mm-hmm. it was just me on the camera talk and the producer just asked me questions. So just like you're doing, it's exactly the same. Okay. And then the producer put together this show and then Hoda did a voiceover. 
very interesting. Well, congratulations on that. And I'm glad you got the world stage, Cindy, because your message is so important. So congratulations. I'm sure it's bittersweet. But your books are beautifully done. And thank you for sharing them with me. And thank you for showing them. So, ladies, I think it's time for us to do some famous birthdays because it's April 5th. And there were quite a few of them. And I'll try to make this brief. But you tell me if you know who this person is, each one, and what you would say to them if you were there to, I think, um, I think they're no, some of them are gone. I try to pick only people who are alive, but the first three are, are long gone. But they're, they're worthy of being mentioned. So happy birthday to Spencer Tracy, major star of Hollywood's Golden Age, two Academy Awards for Best Actor, and nine nominations. What would you say to Spencer Tracy, Cindy or Trish? I don't know. I'm trying to think of what movies he was in. He was in movies with Betty Davis, Catherine Hepburn. Yeah. yeah very was, famous yeah, with Catherine Hepburn. Yeah. Well, I would just say, Spencer Tracy, thank you for being one of the hunky, early, real leading men of Hollywood. That's what I would say. Trish, anything you want to add to Spencer Tracy? <laughs> no, that sounded great to me. <laughs> <laughs> I know what you just did there, lady. Okay, this one you'll know. 1908, Betty Davis. Yes. She had 100 acting credits. She played unsympathetic, sardonic, talk about no empathy, no compassion, Trish, sardonic, unsympathetic characters in a in a range of film genres from contemporary crime melodramas to historical films, suspense, horror, and occasional comedies. And she won two Academy Awards, the first thespian to accrue 10 nominations. And we all remember her from Whatever Happened to Baby, Baby Jane, Jane. Yeah. and All About Eve, which was way before that, 1950. I don't think any of us remember that. Let's move along. Here's another great star of film, Gregory Peck. Born in 1916, one of the most popular stars from the 40s to the 60s. He was named number 12 from the Amer- in the American Film Institute's 25 Greatest Male Stars of Classic Hollywood Cinema. You remember Gregory Peck? Some of the movies? Just, just charming and so, so handsome. <laughs> I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Uh, somebody who's very current to us today, Colin Powell. Politician, diplomat, retired four-star general, 65th U.S. Secretary of State, and he was the first African-American Secretary of State in the U.S. Everybody say, happy birthday, Colin Powell. Come on. Happy birthday, happy birthday Colin Powell. There you go. Now, here's somebody who was the cause of great angst for me as a Beatle maniac when I was in my early teens because I had a friend who told me that she snuck into the Warwick Hotel in New York when the Beatles were touring, and she actually climbed into one of the laundry baskets in the hotel and was wheeled into their room. I didn't believe a word she said, but it made for a great... They had movies of their concerts, not just movies, but movies of the concerts that we saw in in big theaters. Anyway, Jane Asher, she was one of Paul McCartney's first girlfriends and his muse, Mm. and everybody hated Jane Asher because she got Paul McCartney and we didn't. So (laughs) if that tells you anything about what it was like, never Mm. mind, girls. Okay. Dean Kamen was born today in 1951. He's an engineer, an inventor, a businessman. He invented the Segway and the iBot. You know the Segway? I think Mm, it's 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 like a scooter, right? Yeah. Yeah. Segway. He invented that. He founded a nonprofit called First, F-I-R-S-T in capitals with Woody Flowers, and he holds only a thousand patents and more. That's a creative guy, right? Maybe I could get him for this show. Now, there's a drummer who was a drummer for Judas Priest. His name is Les Binks, B-I-N-K-S, and I only put him in here because he's a drummer and so am I. So happy birthday, Les Binks. Okay. Binks, Binks, (laughs) Binks. Now, here's somebody we all know. If I say happy, Trish, what songwriter comes to mind? 
da 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 oh, Pharrell. Pharrell, say happy birthday to Pharrell Williams. Come on, ladies. One, <laughs> two, three. Birth- happy happy birthday, birthday, Pharrell. Birthday. There you go. Record producer, fashion designer, entrepreneur. He formed the hip-hop and R&B production duo The Neptunes in the early 90s. I never heard of them. In 2013, he was featured on a song, Blurred Lines, with Robin Thicke. Remember that one? Mm-hmm. And what an interesting video they made for that one. And his song, Happy, what I'm talking about today, was the lead single for the soundtrack of the film, Despicable Me Too. He was also featured on Daft Punk's single, Get Lucky, which won Record of the Year and Best Pop Duo Group Performance at the 56 Grammys. Pharrell has only won 13 Grammy Awards, but there's hope that one day he might be a real success. I don't know. We can just hope for him. But the reason I was so intrigued, not only because I think his songs are great, but uh, my drum teacher recently introduced me to Get Lucky by Daft Punk, and I'm playing it. And I I love the song, and it's just a really, really cool disco type of era song, and it's wonderful. Lily James, born in 1989, English actress. She was in Downton Abbey, and she has quite a blooming career right now. And there's somebody whose name I like, 1996. He's a Danish race car driver. I have no clue who he is, but his name is Nicholas Beer. And anybody's last name is Beer, I think, deserves a happy birthday. We know what he probably will drink or maybe not on his birthday. So happy birthday to all of those famous or not quite people. Now, we have something on the show here, Cindy and Trish, called Famous National Holidays That Nobody's Ever Heard Of. Okay. So I want you to tell me how you're going to celebrate. We'll make this real quick so we can get back to your books and what you do. So Monday, April 5th, today is National Deep Dish Pizza Day. And it's flash drive day. So, Cindy, do you think you could celebrate with National Deep Dish Pizza, or do you have any really cool flash drives you'd like to talk about? <laughs> I don't. I don't <laughs> do well with computers. Definitely the deep dish pizza. That would that that I could that I could celebrate. Yeah. Okay, Trish. What about you? I'm all in on the deep dish pizza. I do a lot of cooking, and it's actually really creative because I don't measure anything, and it's vegan, so it's I get to remake everything. So I would totally get in there with the. Deep dish vegan pizza really that I cool. made up, and I well making up. That's what recipe. That's what a cook, a creative person in the kitchen does. Flash drives now come in the shape of hamburgers, noodles, animals, and even Harry Styles. And we'll just leave that one alone. Tomorrow, April sixth is National Siamese Cat Day. Meow. It's Sorry Charlie Day, and I'll tell you what that means. Remember, Sorry Charlie. Remember, yes. uh-huh. I'll take and Tartan Day. If you have a plaid, you'd like to wear tartan, or you know somebody who's a bagpiper, and it's. New Beer's Eve. Oh, Nicholas Beer, his birthday's today. Tomorrow is New Beer's Eve. So here's the deal. Sorry, Charlie Day allows us to pause and reflect. Trish, this is for you. Reflect on the rejections we've faced in life. Because Charlie the Tuna, who was the spokestuna for Starkist for 20 years, was notorious for never measuring up as a tuna that tasted good, even though he had Good taste. Remember the ads? Constantly told, sorry, Charlie, endeared him to the American public and made him relatable. He never gave up. Celebrate your own perseverance or others and how you bounce back from rejection. I think we can all take a little bit of a sorry, Charlie day. And beer lovers were very sad when the government ratified the U.S., the 18th Amendment to the Constitution in 1920. They banned all intoxicating liquors, including beer, and that was prohibition. But in 1933, they saw the light and President Roosevelt ended prohibition. So we celebrate New Beer's Eve each year on April 6th. Grab a beer, I had to say that. Now, um, let's go to April 7th is actually National Beer Day, because if you had it the eve before, you got to have it on the day. And Cindy and Trish, this is for both of you, No Housework Day. 
No housework day. Oh. Probably because you're drinking beer all day and you might mess something <laughs> up. It's also walking day. So you can go for a walk, skip the housework, and you can have a beer. I give you both permission. Now, Thursday, we're going to get back in the kitchen, Trish. It's National Empanada Day or Empanada. It's originally from Galicia, Spain. In some shape or form, it's now popular in 30 countries. The name comes from empanar, E-M-P-A-N-A-R, to bread in Spanish and Portuguese. And some say the meaning of empanada is, can I have another one, please? So there you go. Friday... This is for you, Cindy. National Chinese Almond Cookie Day. I have no idea why, but you look like somebody would enjoy an almond cookie. It's Name Yourself Day. It's Unicorn Day. And if none of those turn you on, it's National Winston Churchill Day. So what are we going to celebrate with you on Friday, Cindy? What do you like? Oh, Unicorn Day, probably. (laughs) I like that. And by the way, Chinese almond moon cakes are traditionally made during Chinese New Year. They're supposed to bring good luck. And Name Yourself Day, they say just... Pick another name because your name seems to be linked to personalities. And social scientists call this the Dorian Gray effect after Oscar Wilde's novel, The Picture of the Dor- of Dorian Gray. Uh, he remained youthful and beautiful, but the portrait doesn't look that way. And National Unicorn Day, celebrate the most popular mythical creature ever. Take time out to celebrate a beautiful horned, rainbow-printed mythical creature, a symbol of happiness. That's for you, Trish. Fantasy and wonder. It's an icon of color. Child, and that's for you. See, unicorn mm-hmm. days for both of you. Mm-hmm. Color, childlike splendor, and magic. And it often makes appearances on birthday cakes and children's clothing. I'm almost done with the holidays. Saturday, April 10th is National Farm Animals Day. If you don't have a farm animal nearby, hug your dog day. And if you don't have a dog nearby, find a sibling, yours or somebody else's, and hug them because it's siblings day. Cindy, any of that resonate with you, farm animals, dogs, and siblings? No, but I, I'm sure that all the siblings are going to appear all over Facebook on that day. There you go. Maybe wearing unicorn unicorn Maybe. pajamas from the day before. Trish, any of this resonate with you? Farm animals, hug your dog or siblings? Totally farm animals and hug your dog, but I'm, I'm an animal activist. So yes, absolutely. See, these holidays were meant for both of you. I'm so glad you're on this week. Last, year, last week's holidays wouldn't have done anything. Now, Sunday is National Barbershop Quartet Day. I've actually had a barbershop quartet here in my home because I was doing my TV show from here after I left New York and I had a local, the ringtones. Uh, yes, the ringtones were here and, and they did some barbershop in my living room and we put them on my TV show. It's also 8-track tape day. Anybody still have an 8-track tape deck for <laughs> <laughs> Cindy, you want to fess up to that one? <laughs> There's no way to play them anymore. I know, I know, but some of us have some. I, I never had one. It's pet day and it's submarine day. I'm not sure what that means. And I have to tell you that next Monday, because I won't be on until evening like this, it's National Grilled Cheese Sandwich Day. And there's apparently a trick. Aaron Christensen, who owns a Central Oregon restaurant, I lived in Eugene for years, that won a reader's poll for best kids menu and best family restaurants as a perfect grilled cheese, has to have a super crispy exterior, brushed with garlic oil, lots of melty cheese in the center, thick cut, handmade bread is a must. Trish, do you make your own bread? I do not. I think I'd be in big trouble if I was making my own bread. I did for years. And I'll tell you both a funny story. When I was... I was still married at the time. He took us to Eugene, Oregon. We lived there for a couple of years and I didn't have a car. I was pretty much stuck in the house. I had two two young kids. One was in school. The other was a baby. And I was baking bread. I was making my own clothes, my daughter's clothes. But I learned that good homemade bread is barter worthy. So I wanted to go to a gym just to get out of the house once a week. I found a gym nearby and I had to take a bus there. So I said to the woman who who was my trainer, 
Her name was Patty. And I said, how would you like to give me a ride home so I don't have to take the bus and I'll barter you one loaf of either whole grain bread or homemade rye bread with little bits of orange zest in it or a challah. I make challah, wonderful challah braided with a little bit of, you put sesame seeds on top, you know, the Jewish Sabbath bread. Mm -hmm. And she said, Bake me a loaf of bread, and I'll give you a ride home twice a week from the gym. And that's how we parted. That's how that my bus fare. Are you impressed, ladies? Please say something. Yes, I am. I, I am. would totally drive you, you wherever you wanted to go. You needed to go to the gym to burn off the bread. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I was about 92 pounds in those days. I didn't need to burn off anything, but that's a whole other world, a whole other story. So let's talk a little bit more about creativity. Cindy, when you think of your beautiful illustrations, when you think of your love of color and helping people figure out how to make their homes beautiful and livable and comfortable and places they really want to be, do you wake up and say, I'm Cindy and I'm a creative person, or is it just there? Do, do you define yourself? that way, Cindy? Yes, I really do. I really do. Um, some of my best clients are um, are accountants and, you know, very intelligent people, you know, doctors and things like that. And I, and, and I always say they're very left brain. And for me, the right brain is the only part of me that works. Everything I do is singing, dancing, painting, create, you know, and they're always amazed. How do you pick colors so easily? And I said, well, don't ask me to do math. <laughs> you know, everybody's good at something, you know, you're good at that. I'm good at this. So. Okay. Interesting. Uh, thank you very much. Trish, do you wake up and Trish, you have to tell the story of the butterfly, please. The chrysalis, am I pronouncing it right? Chrysalis. 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 Yes. I want you to tell <laughs> the, but do you consider yourself, you wake up and say, Hey, I'm, I'm a self-actualization coach and I have this workbook and I'm, I think in terms of butterflies and coming out of your cocoon, I'm a really creative person. Do you define yourself that way or is it just there? You know, I am a really creative person, but I feel like I've, I've reawakened kind of like the butterfly story um, because I used to work as a financial advisor. So I was very kind of left brain, right brain. I went to math and science, you know, in my education. Um, but I think part of that was because I was told to pursue a certain career path, you know, mm -hmm. and now I kind of finally broke out of my shell and I'm doing what I really enjoy doing. So, yeah, I think of myself as creative for sure. There you go. I, I think of myself as creative almost all the time, actually, because I find so many things. I started painting about a year and a half ago. And I now I counted the other day, Cindy, I have over 135 paintings I've done in the past year and change. Wow. And it wow. doesn't matter what color the walls are because the paintings are up on the walls, every place but my bedroom. That's a place of rest. But I have about 20 paintings in the music room where my drums are. I have, uh, oh, the antique room, my, my mother's stuff, my mother was an antique dealer. That room is closed off there. My art supplies, nobody goes in there. But in the hallway to the garage, my office here, I have about 20 paintings on one, two, three, all the walls. Um, my kitchen has about eight. My living room has a little bit of a side wall. Next to the piano, there's a wall with a whole bunch and another living room wall. And I'm now into acrylic paint pouring, which is oh, yeah. fascinating with mm -hmm. uh, uh, silicone oil. You put yeah. a couple drops in the colors and then you put a, a black or a white or a navy color and you pull a piece of plastic over it and it exposes the cells. It's like lace, Trish, in the, mm. the paint exposes little circles of looks like lace. And I do a lot of paint pouring, a lot of balloon kisses with balloons with multiple colors. And I was doing uh, watercolors for the first year or so. 
nothing really big. I've got some 24 by 32s, I think, something like that. That's about the biggest, but I'm going to start to do paint pouring on bigger canvases. So my whole kitchen counter is set up as an art studio and it's really fun. But I but I consider that part creative, plus my radio shows are my, my creativity. Yeah, and drumming, sure. drumming, of course, is, I just went out and bought new cymbals today. I traded in my Zildjian ZBTs for XSR, I think is the brand, and they're really shiny, which looks really really cool and of course i have a red sparkly drum kit uh yes my ludwig of course, of course. and why wouldn't but you I? used to make clothes and make bread and you know I you did. just you've always done creative things i guess so i guess so and i i would say yes i would say it's somewhere in there i think most people i know are creative in some way but creativity is a big word um i did say at the publicity summit i told people if you want to be on my show don't say yes on wednesdays and fridays i have oatmeal for breakfast and then i have captain crunch on thursdays and Saturdays, that's just changing your menu. That's not a creative life. A creative life is doing something. What? What is it, Trish? What is? What do you tell your clients? What, what do you say? You know, it's funny because I've been talking about this lately where you're sitting in your living room, everything you see around you, someone had to create, whether it was mm-hmm. the sofa, the glasses in your cabinet, your television, your shoes, all of these things were created. They were designed and people had to f- create companies to give these products. So yeah, creativity, a lot of times we think just of the arts, but it really goes through the course of everything that we come into contact with in our lives. Very interesting. That's a really good point. I'm, I have a keyboard sitting here, a MIDI keyboard. I'm plugging, I'm starting to use GarageBand because I want to make some music. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm bored a lot of the time, so I, I need to keep myself busy. I'm a professional radio broadcaster during the day, but a lot of time. I am subscribed to so many British detective channels. Now I'm paying for Acorn. I'm paying for PBS Masterpiece. I'm paying for BritBox in addition to Amazon Prime because I find that the mysteries and the characters, if they're well done, take up that extra energy from me. They they engage my brain. I also play words with friends. That's my sleeping pill at night. I have 25 games going with about eight different people. And that's what I do just before I go to bed. Big iPad with the stylus. Prop it up on my tummy here with a couple of pillows behind me, and I just start tackling the games. And I look, if I'm behind by 100 points, I don't worry about what I put in. I'm, I'm not going to catch up with most of those unless I get a seven-letter word that uses everything that's worth, you know, between 50 and 100 points. If I'm pretty close, I'll put some more effort into finding a really cool word. And, of course, we all cheat with a dictionary. I won't go into that. <laughs> but anyway, it, it, it is very interesting. I have to tell you, Trish, this is for you. I woke up. 4.52 this morning, I don't know why. I was having some very strange dreams. Read the newspaper on my phone. Played some words with friends, anything. At 7.05, I fell back to sleep, and I had more dreams. And when I woke up at 8.30, I had such a feeling of peacefulness and calm and well-being. I've had it a few times in my adult life, and I woke up saying, there is something surrounding me that is so nice and so it was like being in a cocoon and it was a feeling of peace and comfort and happiness and wholeness and joy with nothing specific attached to it. Do you find that in some of your counseling that people go through that Trish? I mean, what you're describing is beautiful. I talk to people a lot about having a stillness practice because typically it's when we're still that we get those feelings of peace or we may get these um, kind of aha moments, creative moments. So it sounds like you were having an experience during the stillness of your sleep. 
that was really, you know, peaceful to you. But of course, um, not everybody experiences that. So, you know, you can use meditation or just kind of mm-hmm. taking an adult time out or doing slower kind of yoga practices to give you more of a, a similar experience to that, you know? But that's I had wonderful. A, I had a feeling you're going to say that. Yeah, it was a lovely. Cindy, have you ever had that feeling where it's just like everything is in place just for a, a few minutes? Well, for me, uh, that early morning time is usually when I dream. And uh, years ago, I started keeping a journal of my dreams and I look up the dream interpretation of them. Um, and it's very eye opening, you know, and it kind of tells you sort of what you're internalizing in yourself. Or uh, it, it, sometimes it can be very spiritual things, sometimes it's just more enlightening about your emotions or whatever. Um, but yeah, but it's just interesting to me that you said you were awake and then you fell asleep for that last hour and then woke up, you know, yes. and, and you had a dream again. Like that's that's yes. what I really relate to. That's my big dream time. Thank and you. It's helpful to journal those things. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I used to have a therapist in New York and I would come in, I saw her twice a week and I would report them to her and she would write my dreams down if she thought they were something we would work on and she left mm-hmm. me. So anyway, blah, blah, blah. Ladies, we have about three and a half minutes left. I'm going to do something I haven't done in a long time. I'm going to give you each 60 seconds. Cindy, I'm going to ask if you had to leave your house with a box that was, let's say, 24 by 24 inches, two feet by two square, cube, two feet by two feet by two feet. What three things would be in that box besides your cell phone that would, would make you feel good about having to leave the house right now? What would tell us who you are? Wait, why am I leaving the house? Just because you have to. I told you, you have to leave the house. You have to take three things that matter to you. You're going somewhere. Oh, and these are the things that are going to come with me that are yep. the most important to me? Yep. Oh, geez. Oh, it can be, it can oh, be people. Not my cell phone. It could be people, food, keys, anything <laughs> like that. What would you take? People, keys. Well, yeah. Yeah, the keys to my car. Yeah, and my husband and son that live with me. That would be three things. <laughs> okay, that's it. You fit your three things. Trish, yeah. what would be in your box? Uh, definitely my dog. <laughs> Um, I keep thinking I need a candle and some instant. So there you go. That's my three things. <laughs> I love that. Well, mine would be lipstick and it right. might be this red flower and it would probably be my iPad with a stylus, which I count as one. And maybe these earrings, I would cheat because I came up with the idea. So I'd probably have four. <laughs> so anybody you want to do a shout out to Cindy quickly? Um, no, nobody off the top of my head. <laughs> okay. Family, maybe. Trish, anybody you want to do a shout out to? I will totally do a shout out. Definitely to my daughter, Kayla. I just saw her today, for, um, took her back to school today for Easter. And my bestie, Tammy, who is also my highest level unpaid employee. So there you go. Very nice. Well, that's quite a combination. My bestie, Tambi, who's my highest level unpaid employee. I'm glad she fills all of those shoes for you. I'm going to do some closing remarks here. And again, thank you to Josh, our engineer at Voice America Empowerment Channel, and everybody at Voice America. Thank you for making this possible. I'm so happy to bring Read My Lips Radio here. I have one minute left. Here are my closing remarks. I found this, ladies, in my notes from 2014. I've been doing radio for many, many years. So I think you'll res- this will resonate with both of you. Life is short. Break the rules, forgive quickly, kiss slowly, is there any other kind, love truly, laugh uncontrollably, and never regret anything that made you smile. And one more set here, work like you don't need the money, dance like nobody's watching. I was a dance teacher for years and people watched, trust me. Sing like nobody's listening, I try not to sing on the radio. Love like you've never been hurt because damn, we all have and let's just get past it. Money talks. Sometimes, doesn't it, Trish? Chocolate (laughs) sings. And last but not least, and I stole this line from another radio host years ago, 
Thank you for turning me on. Radio Red, over and out. <laughs> Trish and Cindy wave goodbye. Bye-bye. <laughs> Thank See you. Next week. Bye-bye. 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 Thanks again for tuning in to Read My Lips Radio presented by the Voice America Variety Channel. Tweet your questions and comments to at Radio Red 777. Join host aka Radio Red again next Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We wish you a positively cool creative week. <laughs>